so much for joining us today in episode number 205 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So races are coming back and it's so exciting, but before you sign up for the first one available, think about how long it will take you to feel prepared for that race. If you haven't raced in a while, it might take a little bit longer than you think. So today we're going to let you know how to know when you're race ready. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so races are coming back, and people are signing up, and it's so exciting. The races are going. It's It's going. And so before we dive into this episode, I want to remind you guys about the free live class that we are holding next week, June 30th. That's Wednesday, June 30th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We are talking all about how to run your first or your best half marathon. And that really is the main focus of today's episode as well. We're going to be diving into some things of, you know, whether or not you are ready or when you are ready to to take on the half marathon distance because, you know, we've seen it a lot in our coaching practice, so, you know, people will sign up for our team and say like, I'm ready, I want to do a half marathon and I want to do it in two months, but they don't have the correct base built up to get them to that point safely. And so we've had to kind of talk some people out of running a half marathon. And that's not to say that they can't do it. And we're definitely not the kind of coaches to ever tell anyone that they can't do something. We just want to make sure that people are doing things with the appropriate timeline so that they can get the results that they want. Yeah, no, anybody can really accomplish whatever goal it is that you're going out there for as long as you have a good timeline in, involved. Right, especially with a half marathon. The half marathon is such a great distance. And we're going to be talking all about how to run that distance and what you need to know in order to prepare the best way for the half marathon in that free class. So if you haven't signed up yet, head over to yourrunningplan.com, yourrunningplan.com, and that will um, allow you to register for that class so that you can join us live. And if you can't join us live, there will be a replay that will be emailed out after the fact. Um, If you go over to realliferunners.com, just our main website, you can also click on the button right at the top of the page if you forget the Your Running Plan um, website, you can just go to realliferunners.com. There's a button right on the very top of the page that says, um, click here to register for the half marathon class, get yourself registered, get yourself signed up for that. If you are interested in, in running your first or your best, you know, maybe you've run a half marathon in the past and you did okay, or maybe you didn't do okay. Maybe you didn't get the results you were looking for, or maybe you're just looking on how to ways to improve. We're going to be able to help you all with all of that. Yeah. Just feel better as you cross the line. Like oh my you, gosh, you're going to yeah. feel exhausted. Don't get me wrong, but like exhausted and maybe trying to get a smile onto your face or yeah. there's a smile on your face on the inside. No, there's, there's <laughs> no maybe about it. That's how we want you crossing the line. We want you crossing that line with confidence. Well, we watch on the starting line with confidence, you know, knowing that you are ready to tackle this distance, to tackle that race. That's, that's how you're going to feel. We want you feeling confident and ready for that race. And then when you're done at the end, we want you feeling that sense of pride and accomplishment and just, you know, happiness and joy with yourself, with what you've accomplished, no matter what the time on the clock is, because that's just a number, right? And we're going to talk a lot more in detail about all of this stuff and how to train mind, body, and skills um, for the half marathon distance in that live class next week. So go get yourself signed up for that. But today we want to talk a little bit more on how you guys can assess 
what your timeline really should be. You know, if you if you do want to tackle a half marathon, how long do you need to train for it? Because if you go on the internet and look up a generic training plan for a half marathon, a lot of the training plans are about 12 weeks long. Yes, which suggests that the answer is clearly 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Uh, there's a little more to that. There is, right. Because if you are starting from zero and wanting to run a half marathon, can you complete it in 12 weeks? Probably uh, depends on a lot of factors, right? Like, are you a generally athletic and fit person? Maybe you work out, you just don't run. Maybe you're new to running, right? Maybe you don't work out and you haven't worked out and you haven't exercised in years. That's a different starting point, okay? So I think that this is really the important thing is to clearly assess your starting point. And again, we're going to talk more in detail about this in the class next week. So go sign up for that. But when you think about where you are when you hit that starting line that's what you really need to get very clear on yeah so there's there's a few things that you want to make sure that you have time to to put in and build up before you arrive at the starting line for the race so some things you need for this this episode is really kind of geared towards something a little bit longer like a half marathon I mean, you could take the the same information, kind of stretch it for a marathon. You might need just a little bit of a longer runway, but Mm -hmm. these are longer races. Like if you're out there, you could probably complete a 5K. There are a lot of like couch to 5K plans. There are a lot of like eight, nine week plans. Even if you've never run at all, you can get yourself to that 5K capability over a smaller time window. But um, this one where you're trying to get out there for 13 miles, 22 kilometers, like at 21 kilometers, that's, that's a lot longer out there. So some things that you need to make sure that you've developed and figured out on the way. One, you're going to need plenty of endurance. You, you need the long run that brings those long, slow adaptations where you're building up the, the mitochondria, your capillary density, where you're able to actually bring fuel to the muscles for a long period of time. Right. And that's those are the adaptations that your body makes when you go out and you run longer distances. When you just run, you know, three or four miles and you think you can complete 13, that's going to be a very, very painful process. If you haven't run more than like five or six miles in the build up to a half marathon. And there are people out there that do this. And most of the time it does not go very well. I don't think I've heard one personal instance where it's, you know, people have said, oh yeah, you know, I only did six miles and then I went out and ran a half marathon and it was amazing. And I like felt amazing in the process and everything was great. Like that's not usually what you hear. And if you have, that's fantastic. But In general, you know, especially for those of us over the age of 35, where our bodies just need a little bit longer to make adaptations, it's really, really important that you allow the amount of time that your body needs to build up that long run, okay? And this is where a lot of people get into trouble. This is where a lot of injuries come in because people try to ramp up their distance too soon. They do too much too soon and they end up injured or in pain or you know, having other issues. So make sure that you're allowing enough time to build up that long run. Right. I mean, that's, if you look at a lot of the the generic half marathon training plans, they essentially start you at what, two, three, four miles. And then every week they add another mile to the long run until you're running 13 miles. Some of them will have you hit 12 miles on the week before your half marathon. And then congratulations, you've made it to 13 on the week of your half marathon. And that's essentially the plan. The major focus is simply making sure that you've built up the long run, Mm -hmm. which is, I mean, it's not ideal. 
it it leads it you can to, work for some people it can work for some but people. like you said it is not ideal it also suggests that the only thing that you really ever need to focus on is that long run and you're going to get some other adaptations along the way mm-hmm. of building the long run that we'll talk about here in a, in a second but it makes it seem as though the only thing that really matters is do you have the ability to go five miles and then six miles and then seven miles it also suggests that your long run is going to be a linear progression right. that you never need to take a break that if you can do seven then you can do eight and if you did eight then the next week you can clearly do nine as though it's just a perfect linear progression and if you've run for any amount of time you know that nothing is a linear progression yeah i mean i think that it can work for some people but like you said before it's just not the most ideal way to go especially i like to continuously point this out especially if you're over the age of 35 like your body needs time to adapt we do not recover after 35 our bodies just do not recover the same really after the age of 30 yep. you know after the age of 30 our bodies start to lose lean muscle mass if we don't do something about it like and if you're just going out and just doing long runs and you're not adding in like the strength training and some of the other things we're going to talk about you're really just breaking your muscle down a lot of times and your body's just not set up for that. So you need to allow the time to have those down weeks, to have recovery time and make sure that you're safely building yourself up and not just breaking yourself down in the process. Right. So if if you try and go linear, then that suggests that, you know, you go three to four to five to six. But I would suggest having a pullback every two weeks, every other week even, depending on how, how new or even experienced you are, how prone to injuries you are. Yeah. You want to make sure that you have built into your timeline the ability to pull back and not go for a long run mm-hmm. that weekend, but still be able to build up so that you you can actually complete that distance. Right. So in addition to the long run, the, some of the other things that you also want to think about when you're thinking about doing your half marathon is building in some speed endurance. Now, we're not talking about high-end speed. You know, the Olympic trials are on right now, and it's so fun watching the sprinters, like the 200-meter runners, the 100-meter runners, the 400-meter runners, like go out there and just just go, you know, and that's not the kind of speed we're talking about. Some of that speed is important for us as distance runs, but uh, distance runners, but you know, very used very sparingly. But what we're talking about is the ability to maintain a faster pace over a longer distance. Because that's essentially what happens when you're racing a half marathon. You're not holding your high-end pace. Like, I think we were watching, I don't know, 200 meters or 100 meters the other night. And these guys are going as fast as they possibly can. That's at no point during the half marathon, except maybe like the final burst where you see the finish line. Are you going as fast as your body can actually physically move? Yeah. But what you're trying to do is hold a pace that's like, it's faster than your easy pace, but... It's not that fast. It's it's pushing it, but not crazy pushing it. And you want to be able to like kind of elevate the speed where you're like, this is comfortably uncomfortable right? for a long, long period of time. For a long time, right? Like it's not the same as a 5K. So if you've ever run a 5K and if you've ever raced a 5K, you should basically be pushing the edge and kind of be in that red zone pretty much the whole time because it's a short enough race, you know, three miles that you, your body can handle pushing that hard for that long. But that is not the same way that you would want to push in a half marathon. Even if you're trying to PR, you cannot be in the red zone. You got to be more in like yellow, orange, green, you know, before you can get yourself to like, otherwise you're just going to burn out. Like you, you, it's, you will not be able to maintain that. 
Yeah, no, and it doesn't even matter your speed. Whether you're trying to run the half marathon in an hour or three hours, if you're going to, like race it at Olympic quality level or run walk the thing, you cannot take it out as fast as possible. And right. some people get into these races and they get super excited. They fire the gun and people just take off mm-hmm. at a pace that is clearly not sustainable. Right. So as part of your training, what you need to do is build in workouts to help you understand what that pace feels like. These speed endurance workouts are like tempo types of workouts or lactate threshold types of workouts because that will help your body understand how to use fuel better and remove those fatigue causing byproducts efficiently. So basically what happens like when you are out running or doing any sort of physical activity, your body needs to generate energy. And so when it does this, it's like chemical reactions in your body, physiological reactions, and it supplies energy. Your body creates energy out of fuel, out of glucose and fat and all different types of fuel sources you have in your body, but it also kind of produces these byproducts and your body needs to figure out what to do with those. And that's the whole idea of the lactate threshold is that your body gets to this point where you're going fast enough that your your body stops being able to keep up with the byproduct removal, okay? And so when, once you're above that threshold, you fatigue so much faster. And that's why you can't maintain those high-end speeds for more than a very short period of time. Right. That's exactly what the threshold essentially means uh, for, for simplifying the concept down is basically um, the fastest that you can go where your body is still able to essentially shovel out all of the junk that yeah. your muscles are building up. Right. And as soon as you start going faster, junk is building up faster than you can shovel it. It's like the... Let me use the term junk there. Well, it's like the um, <laughs> the classic scene from I Love Lucy with the ch- at the chocolate factory. At the chocolate factory. Right? Like, at first, the chocolates are coming down the, down the conveyor belt and they're packaging them up and then they're like oh you guys are doing great let's speed it up and then you know by the end they keep speeding it up and they're shoving them in their mouth and they're shoving them down their shirt and they're just shoving them all over the place because they can't keep up with the speed that the chocolates are coming out of the factory and it's the same thing in your body you know like when you start going at a high enough speed your body is literally producing those like chocolate byproducts and it can't keep up with what to do with them so then it just kind of all goes down like you got to stop basically is what your body tells you you got to stop right so your long runs are essentially allowing you to be able to get the fuel to all of your different muscles it's it's providing ways to create the fuel and ways to bring the oxygen to the muscles so that you can activate the fuel but then the speed endurance once you've got all that fuel there, you now need the actual enzymes created inside your body that can handle the byproducts and training it that like middle ground, training it that where you're stressing the body for like a good period of time at a moderate effort is going to help build up the the levels of the enzymes that your body can handle the byproducts and keep actually getting rid of them more efficiently. Right. And another thing you want to think about when you're building up to a half marathon or a marathon or any race really is heat adaptation. So if the run is going to be hot, you have to train in heat. Like you have to do things to get your body ready for heat. And this is also where a lot of runners get into trouble if they've been training, say, all winter long in the cold or in very moderate temperatures, and then they decide to come to Florida for a half marathon and Hmm, who knows, maybe that time, you know, that weekend that you chose to come to Florida, it just decided it was going to be 85 degrees. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what happened in the Chicago Marathon, I don't know, five, six years ago. Oh, yeah, that's right. Chicago is normally beautiful weather for the marathon. Everyone's was super cold, and it was like 80 to 90 degrees for the marathon. Yeah, and people were like... People were dropping. Dropping all over the place. So the heat adaptation is a very important thing on this list, and unfortunately, it's one of the things on the list that you cannot rush at all. No. Some of the other ones, you're like, well, maybe I don't need to build that up to my exact optimum levels. Heat adaptation is a safety issue. You Mm -hmm. need to build that to be safe and... And the adaptations of your body of how it's like, you know, balancing the fluids inside and your sodium levels. Right. This is a slow process. Yeah. And if you are tr- know that you're traveling for a destination race where it's going to be warmer, you know, the best suggestion is to get there at, at least two weeks ahead of time, which just is not always feasible for us as real life runners, right? Like some t- elites can do it. Sure. Right. They, they have a goal race. They go a couple weeks early. They train, get their bodies heat adapted. It's just not always the same for us as real life runners. So there are other ways that you can go about it, like with the use of saunas and um, other different tools, but it's definitely something that you need to build into your training, no matter what, if you are going to be racing in the heat. And this is one of the things that you think, you know, was one of the reasons that you won the Fort Lauderdale Marathon. Yes, back in 2017. Yeah, I think it's one of my superpowers. Yeah, because you're so used to training in the heat and that just happened to be a super hot day. I mean, it was, the sun had not come up yet because I remember I checked my phone with the weather right before I like gear checked it. Mm -hmm. So it was still dark outside and the temperature was in the 80s and the humidity was in the 80s. Right. But there was also no clouds in the sky. Which is brutal. So as soon as the sun came up, it was full sun and the temperature slid up into the 90s. The humidity did not drop that much. Right. It was it was rough. It was rough, there. yeah. And so you definitely need to make sure that you're building in heat adaptation to your train. And then finally, the other the last thing you really 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 want to build into your training and if you've listened to some of our recent episodes, you know how critical we believe strength and mobility work are for us as runners, especially when you're taking on a distance like the half marathon, but especially strength, okay? Mobility is very important. You want to make sure that your body is moving correctly, that your joints are all moving properly and can move the way that they're intended to move. The strength though, you need to focus on strength training, okay? Because by the end of the race, or really by the middle of the race, you're going to start getting tired and you have all sorts of different muscles that your body can access. There are slow twitch muscle fibers, there are fast twitch muscle fibers, there are accessory muscles, there are all sorts of things that can happen in your body. And by the end of the race, when you're tired, all of those muscles are being used. But are they all being used efficiently? And are they all being used... Like, are they all being brought in at the right time, right? Because if you, you know, by the end of the race, when you're tired and your body's just trying to like get through and and finish the race, that's one thing. But if you're starting to pull in some of these accessory muscles midway through the race, when they have no business helping out, like then you're going to fatigue even quicker and that will set you up even more for an injury in the process of racing as well. Right. If your accessory muscles are doing primary activities and you're only at the six mile mark, you got, you got problems. So this is why strength is absolutely critical. There's not really a a good order of these four things. They are just four very important things that you need to bring. I started with the very obvious. If you're going to run for 13 miles, you need to build some endurance. And I put strength as the last one because, quite frankly, if you've been listening to us for any period of time, you know how important strength training is. It is – it's going to help your body – 
just actually withstand the physical demands and the pounding of the race. If you've got hills in there, downhills, your muscles need to be strong enough because your body takes a beating on the downhill. you got uphills, everything needs to work in coordination so you can actually get yourself up the hill. It, and once you're out there for hour, hour and a half, for a while, everything's fatiguing. Suddenly your fast twitch muscles are working to just continue moving you along at clearly slow twitch, fit, which, slow twitch pace. But every muscle is working, so you got to make sure that they're all going to be able to actually work in a coordinated manner and continue moving you down the road or the path or the trail or whatever you got. Or whatever you got. So... How long is this all going to take? Okay, that's really what we wanted to talk about today is this main timeline. So yes, you need to think about all four of those factors and make sure that you're integrating all four of those things into your training. And that timeline is going to look different for different people, right? So when we try to figure out how long you should allow for a buildup to a half marathon, you have to first answer the question of what is your goal? Is your goal simply to complete the marathon or is your goal to compete in the marathon? And when we say compete, we don't necessarily mean to win the whole thing, okay? But there's a lot of different ways that you can compete, right? You can compete against other people. Maybe you do want to try to win a marathon or a half marathon. Maybe you just want to try to win an age group spot on the podium, right? Maybe you're just competing against yourself. Maybe you are just trying to push yourself and to see what you're capable of, especially if you've already done one in the past. Maybe the second time around or the third time, whatever number you're on, you want to just try to improve your time or get a personal record. Okay, that's a different training plan than if you're just trying to compete the race. Yes, the importance of the L. Yeah. And some people will, will suggest that they are in it for completion, but if you know how competitive of a person you are, right. and you're like, oh no, no, I'm in it for completion, well, suddenly there's that woman in the green shirt, or that guy in the blue shirt, and now you're competing against that person. Or the you've guy never, in the banana suit that runs by you. Obviously. You've never seen them before in your life, but for, you are competitive. You've got that drive mm-hmm. inside of you, and you're like, no, 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 I'm in it for completion. If you know inside of you, you are a very competitive person. You're going to start finding markers on the course of mm-hmm. other people, and you're whether you admit it or not, you're now running head to head against that person. So you got to train appropriately, know which category you're you're really sliding into. Right, and and not only that, like it's a lot of times people will tell us like, oh no no, I'm just trying to complete the race. I'll just be happy if I cross the line. And then the more you talk to them, they're like, well, but what's like a respectable time for the half marathon? <laughs> like I've heard that two hours is a good time, and it's like, yeah, two hours is a great time, or two and a half hours, whatever it might be, right? But like if you've never done one before. You have no idea what you're capable of, okay? So especially if this is your first half marathon, we always encourage our clients not to have a specific time goal in mind. Like you can kind of have an idea, especially if you're going through the training and the closer you get to race day, as you see what your long run pace is and what your speed work pace is, we can kind of help you understand like what that appropriate time goal can be. But if you have never run before and you decide you're going to take on a half marathon and you want your first half marathon to be under two hours, there's a lot of people that don't understand how difficult that is and how many people work years and years and years and still don't get under that two hour mark. Right. So this is another one where the longer timeline you have, the more you can do a a decent job of essentially estimating a range of your finish time. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't even mean that you're going to hit it. No, because, because then, you never know what's going to happen on race day. You never know what's showing up on race day. Right. You know what you're bringing on race day. 
Maybe. I mean, look at Jacksonville for you. You know, sure. Ke- Kevin is a, a very, very, very well-trained runner. He has been running for a lot of years. Yep, he we're not going to throw a number on that He one. knows his body very well. And he went out at the Jacksonville Marathon last year and was feeling fantastic. The weather was perfect. Things were good. And he just decided to go for it. And the pace that you were hitting was not completely out of range for you like you were capable of that but for whatever reason that day your your calves decided to cramp up and we think it was a shoe issue and other things we've you know talked a lot about this race since then but that day just wasn't just wasn't your day you know so you finished that race what like 10 minutes slower than what your best time was or than what you could have done yeah. Approximately. Ish. Yeah. I think you, you always in your head think that I finished slower on that race than I was. That's because I felt like I was waiting for you forever based on, you know, where I thought you were going to finish. I and I was very nervous. I wait near the finish line for about five minutes longer than expected because I was taking some, some, several, the majority of my running was now walking between like 20 and 22 miles. Right. Because I... Uh, you know, I, you had that time, had the time range. Yeah. I could probably run somewhere between X and Y. And I was running it right on the line of X. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then I fell off just a little bit. And sometimes <laughs> that happens. You know, sometimes everything goes in your favor and sometimes things fall off because you never know what's going to happen on race day. So anyway, back to this idea of completion versus competition. You know, be honest with yourself here, okay? And and if you have like an, a time goal in the back of your head, if you are working with a coach, make sure they know that because they can try to coach you through that and let you know, is that a realistic goal for you with this timeline? With this timeline. Right? Like that's the whole thing. Like with this timeline, is that a realistic goal? Like I'm, I mean, I'm all for people wanting to hit under two hours. Let's just give you the correct timeline or something close to the right timeline so that you can be more successful. Like I love setting people up for success. And when people have this idea of a time in their head and then they go out there and they train for 12 weeks and then they don't hit it and they feel discouraged and disappointed like that's not the feeling that you really want after you've done such an amazing thing you know running a half marathon no matter how many times you've done it is an amazing thing yeah like come start with the feeling you want crossing and most people will realize that the feeling they want and the image they have in their head of crossing the line probably does not actually have a clock over yeah. their head as they cross the finish line. It's more of a sensation inside of you. Mm-hmm. Aim for that and then figure out what you want. All right, so let's start with completion. What are the important things to focus on if you're essentially training to get from starting line to finish line feeling as good as possible? So when you're looking at just trying to complete a race, okay, you still have to think about all the parts that we already talked about. But strength and endurance here are the main focus, okay? Strength is going to allow you to have that consistency to create the endurance, right? Because by building your strength, you're going to help your muscles be more able to handle the load that you're putting on them, which is going to allow you to go out there and do the long runs or do all of the running without getting injured, okay? When you are weak in certain areas, then when you go out and run all these miles and increase the long run and increase all of your weekly mileage, your body's going to start breaking down. And so that is definitely not what what you want. And that is why strength training is absolutely critical so that you can build that endurance and those miles safely. Right. So we've got people that we've worked with before that are like, it doesn't seem like I'm running that many miles. I've trained for a half marathon before and I did a lot more miles than this one. Yeah. It's okay. But your key here is 
that you actually are building in the strength. Because think about it, if you've done this before and you, you may be listening right now like, oh yeah, that, that's exactly what my training plan looked like. There are weeks where you nailed it and you had much higher mileage, but then you couldn't really run the next week yeah. because your knee hurt or your hip hurt or your back hurt. And so then that next week was like 10% of the miles because you only got in a run and it was a short run. Mm-hmm. So And then the next week you were back up to higher mileage. So if you look at the overall plan, you're like, yeah, no, no, it was a much higher mileage plan. Yeah, but if you only hit 50%, of it. It wasn't a higher mileage plan. If you focus on the strength, then you maintain that consistency and being able to run a lower volume week in and week out, Mm -hmm. that's going to build up the endurance that you need. Right. Then you go through, you only had speed work as a supplementary Mm -hmm. where your key here is, yeah, I want to make sure I build in some speed. One, it takes the boredom away from your run where every run is not the same. Let's just head out and get in some run. But it you only want to make sure that you bring in that speed if it's not taking away from your endurance days. I mean, and I don't think that it, it does. Like you said, I think I'm, I love doing speed work because, and this is one of the ways that Kevin actually got me to like running in the first place because I used to hate running, absolutely hated it. And he gave me like fun speed workouts to do. And all of a sudden it wasn't just boring anymore. And I've since, you know, over the past de- decade plus of running, I have come to enjoy the longer slower distance runs and all that so I definitely get it now but you know especially back then it was just such a boring thing for me to do and the speed work helped to keep things interesting Um, so not only that but it does help build up some of those fast twitch muscle fibers and some of the other things important adaptations that your body needs but like Kevin said if, if you are just trying to build mileage if you throw too much speed work on top of it again that's a recipe for disaster especially if you've never done strength training before if you've never built your mileage like this before the last thing you need is just intense speed work on the top of it also. Speed work can be used sparingly for a little bit of fun, for a little bit of extra challenge in your muscles, um, and for some of those adaptations we talked about, but it can't replace the endurance and the the longer stuff. It also can't take away. So if you're bored and you want to go and add some speed run into your Friday and that suddenly means that your long run on Saturday morning can't be 10, it's cut back to five because you're too tired to do it. Yeah. You're missing a very key aspect of your training right. so that you could have a little more fun on your Friday. Right. Another thing that you might want to think about using if your goal is completion is a run walk strategy. So you can start off, like a lot of times people will think to themselves that, you know, any sort of walking is not allowed, right? Like if I'm a runner, I'm not allowed to walk. And that is just simply not true, okay? There are plenty of very successful runners that use a run-walk strategy the entire time, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they use it through their training, they use it through their racing, they use it all of the time because it is a very effective strategy, especially for runners over, you know, as we get a little bit older because it helps to decrease the load on the body while you're doing it. Right, the impact of walking is less than the impact of running yeah. on all of your muscles and joints. So it's simply a friendlier thing out there on your body. Right, and so it just allows your body to recover quicker from those longer runs because you're basically building recovery periods into the run. So it's a great strategy, especially for beginners. And if you want to transition out of it, fantastic, right? Like if you want to be um, a runner and you don't want to walk, um, I shouldn't say if you want to be a runner, if you want to be a runner who doesn't walk, you can do that too. But even if you use a run walk strategy, you're still a runner. So make sure that you understand that difference. It's just, it just might be a, a 
better way, a more gentle way for your body to get to your goal. Right. So there's plenty of people that will run, walk through an entire half marathon and you can put up pretty impressive times yeah. as a run, walk all the way through. Oh, yeah. And there's other people that will be like, okay, I'm going to run it until I get to five miles in. I'm going to run it until I get to the 10 K mark. Mm-hmm. The fit, like they'll put a mark in there and then they transition. And from that point, they're going to run, walk, right. which also helps with the whole heat act like being able to adjust to the heat being able to handle water stops like you could just put in the strategy of i'm gonna run walk but i'm just going to walk through all the water stops so i can make sure that i actually get a cup of water or a cup of whatever it is they have so that i can thoroughly drink that and make sure that i'm staying hydrated throughout the whole race like that's a decent strategy also exactly and then completion is also a good goal if you have a shorter timeline okay because you want to make sure that you are managing your body as you build the endurance, that you're giving yourself enough time to build the strength, to build the endurance, to do that. And if you just have to run a race and it has to be a specific race and you don't have a a long timeline, you know, making sure that completion at least is one of your goals is a very important thing. Like for example, when I did my first half marathon, like I set multiple levels of goals. And this is one of the things that we encourage our athletes to do. And number one for me was cross the finish line. You know, like that was my first goal is I want to complete a half marathon. My second goal was to run the entire time. Like I didn't want to have to take a walking break. And my third goal was to hit the half marathon in a certain amount of time, right? But I would have been happy just completing, right? And I think that this is the the important thing. You can set goals for yourself and you can set multiple levels of goals, but make sure that you still feel satisfied and content and proud of yourself just from crossing the finish line, right? Because if you allow yourself to think about that and to think about everything that you did, even if it wasn't a great race, you still got your body across the finish line and that's something to be proud of. Right. And then if you're so focused on the time and you miss the time, then crossing the finish line is now suddenly disappointing because you're crossing the finish line, but it doesn't match the, the what you want it to be on the clock. Yeah. Whereas if you have this completion goal and you're like, all right, I'm going to get across the finish line, then even though you're in pain and the clock might not say exactly what you were hoping for, you can still get that smile on your face, get the hands maybe up in the air a little bit as you cross the finish line. Everybody likes that photo as you cross the finish line because you know you look good after Mm -hmm. you've dragged yourself through 13 miles. 100%. So you're going to put a smile on your face as best as you can, but you've got that smile of pride. It's that smile that actually comes from inside. You're not faking it because you know you're proud that you've made it across the finish line. Right. So let's flip over now from completion to competition. So again, when we're talking about competing in a half marathon, we're talking about at any level, right? Maybe you're competing to win the race. Maybe you're competing to win your age group. Maybe you are um, in a training group or a running club and you just want to be at the top of that or beat some of your friends, you know, that maybe you have some friendly, healthy competition going on inside your running club. Maybe you just want to compete against the clock and of yourself and be able to push yourself to a a time that you've never done before. Understand that when you are trying to compete, you should allow yourself a longer buildup or make sure that you're starting with a base, right? And I think that that's the the key. Like if you are already running, you're maintaining a long run on the weekend, you have a a solid base built up, you can jump into a 12-week training phase to 
train for a half marathon and compete in a half marathon without a problem. But if you don't have that solid base, we need to talk about a longer runway. Right. So let's talk about sort of the the cycles that you would have within a, a general training plan. So you've got your base building. This is where you're keying in on making sure that you have the strength for your body to handle everything else that you're going to come at it, that you're, you've got the mobility, that your body is moving correctly before you start ramping a ton of miles onto it. So base, I don't even like to say endurance at the beginning of it. I like to say strength and mobility at the beginning of your base before you start throwing everything on your body to make sure that it can physically handle it. Then your endurance, slowly start building up that volume. Okay, You're strong enough to physically handle it. You can continue building strength as you ramp the volume up and you're essentially building these two things together so that you can have this huge volume of, of starting material to work with where you've got all of these fuel, you're capable of creating fuel inside your body. You're bringing oxygen to all the muscles inside the body. It's, it's a massive base that you're working from. Right. And you can still do some higher end speed work. We definitely coach people, um, to not ever neglect any one area. So right. it's not like, you know, during your base building phase, you're just completely cutting out high end speed work. You are doing that, but you're still leaning towards more of those longer, slower runs. Right. And we had a podcast on this where we kind of discussed the idea of polarized training during your base building. It almost gets further this direction because you're doing so much that is long and slow, yeah. but then you can't completely neglect the higher end stuff. But when you do it, you don't want to get yourself super exhausted so that you can still actually go out and get a nice long run. Mm -hmm. So you're doing like a handful of strides, maybe some 200 meters at like near all out speed. Like it's really short stuff, really condensed, very low volume, but with much higher end speed. Right. Um, From the base building phase, you then move into the race specific phase. Okay. So in this phase, you want to make sure that you are maintaining strength and maintaining endurance. Okay. Because during the base building, you're building those things, okay? So once you get to race specific, all you have to really do is maintain those things. So you're still doing strength workouts, you're still doing long runs, but those long runs don't have to be as often, right? Those long, because you already have that base built up. So there's a lot of people that think like they have to have a long run every single weekend and their long run needs to continue to build every single weekend. And if you've gone through a proper base building phase, that just isn't the case. No, and I mean, we've got clients that have been, they base build for several months so that by the time they get into a race specific plan, they're literally putting in a long run every like third week yeah. because you just don't need it. Now, that's not to say that you're not going out for a while on the weekend because, mm-hmm. you know, as real life runners, most of us have a little bit more time maybe on the weekend. That's why the long run tends to hit Saturday or Sunday morning. So this is where you're thinking about adding in longer volume at that moderate intensity where you're hitting into like a tempo pace, maybe a race specific pace and you're stretching out the amount of time that you can do that not that you're going out and literally running a practice half marathon but you're stretching out your moderate intensity runs at the expense of your long run on the weekend it takes a while to recover from a moderate intensity 45 minutes right and if you're like you have that time available to you now because you're you already have that longer slower base built up so you can start to add in some of these tempo types of runs into your long run on the weekend you shorten the long run you make a chunk of that long run a more of like a tempo workout or a threshold workout which is still very tough on the body so you still need the recovery you just don't need all of the miles uh, also. 
Right. And I don't want to get into some nuance on this one, but this is a really good time to practice nutrition yeah. because you're hitting paces that are more similar to your race day right. pace. So you don't end up with the, uh, I, the fuel that works on your long, slow run mm-hmm. that suddenly you can't chew because you're going at race pace. Yep. I and, will never forget that. Your story that goes along yes, with that my one. my raisin story. Your raisin story. If Raisins work fine if you can chew them at long, slow pace, but they don't necessarily work at race pace. Right. So, and I never practiced them at that pace. And all of a sudden, here I am trying to chew a raisin and thinking I'm not going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so then there went my fueling for the rest of the race. But anyway, those of you that have listened to all of our episodes, you sure know the raisin story by now because I've told it plenty of times. Okay, so from the race specific phase, we are then moving into what's called the sharpening phase, or at least that's what we call it. Right. So this used to be a big push on tapering where you would just cut all of your volume, you'd cut all of your intensity, you just chop everything back. Starting like two weeks out, you'd cut 50% and then the next week you'd cut another 50%. And a lot of athletes, not all, that worked for some people, but the the later push here, the newer push is into what's known as more of a sharpening phase where you do pull back on your volume, but not as much. And you maintain that intensity ratio of the, the easy to hard ratio as you pull back on the volume. So as your volume reduces, one of the major reasons your volume reduces is you're not putting in this super long run on the end of the weekend. Right. Even like a longer run with like a, a faster set in the middle of it. This is in your last couple of weeks before. Mm-hmm. So you pull back just a little bit, but you want to make sure that you still have some intensity in there, some medium high intensity, some race pace work so that your body stays fresh. The last thing you want to do is cut all of your volume, cut all of your intensity and be like, I'm going to feel so good because I haven't done anything hard in the last two weeks. Right. You end up just showing up flat yeah. and you try and take off and your legs are just like, I don't know what this is because we've not tried this pace in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Now you feel terrible heading into the race. Right. So do not do that. All right. From this point, you now have to understand, okay, so now you understand like the four things that you need building up to a half marathon. You understand, you know, whether or not you're in it for completion or competition. You understand the phases of that competition type of building phase and all the things that you need to think about. So it gets down to the point of where are you right now? You have to know your starting point to determine whether or not you're in it for completion, competition, base building, like what phase you're in, like how many weeks you should leave in order to build up to that half marathon. So let's talk about what you need to assess as your starting point. All right. So what is a normal weekday run for you? Which also kind of includes how many days during the week do you actually run? Right. Like what are you comfortable with? If I said, hey, head out the door today and go for a run. Is that two? Is that three? Is that six? Like mm-hmm. how many miles could you actually get in yeah. today? Because that's a good starting point. That mm-hmm. kind of gives you a weekly volume of what you're used to. Right. You need to assess your strength deficiencies. Like where are your weaknesses right now? Are you dealing with some sort of injury? Is it a new injury that just kind of popped up over the last couple of days, the last couple of weeks? Or is there a chronic issue that has been going on for months that you just haven't addressed? Like that is a really important thing for you to know if you're building up to a new distance or even if you're trying to compete at the half marathon and you've done it before. Yeah, that chronic injury is a good one, especially if you've done the half marathon training before and you're like, yeah, every time I get to eight miles, Mm -hmm. this pops up. Right. Then you need to know and and stretch the timeline accordingly so that you can be careful around that that range and make sure that you're able to pull back and have the recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your long run? 
Like if your long run matches all of your weekdays, you're basically three miles every time you go out for a run. That's different than three miles every time you go out for a run during the week. But I also do a 10 miler on the weekend. Like that's Mm -hmm. a very different person and a very different starting point. Right. Um, Next, how used to the weather and terrain of the race are you? Right. Oh, that's a good one. If you're traveling for a race and maybe there's hills in this race and you don't train in hills... You have to allow your body the appropriate timeline to adapt to those things too. Figure out how you can start adding hills in or how you can get used to the cold or the heat like we talked about before. You know, we, we mentioned the heat, but we didn't also talk about the cold. Maybe you're going the opposite direction, right? Like you have to allow your body to make these necessary adaptations for whatever race it is that you actually want to do. Another point on terrain, if you always run on roads or sidewalks and you're doing a trail half marathon... Yeah. Maybe you don't even have the trails that you can train on. Now you have to train to make your body capable of running on trails by simply adding in strength training to build up the accessory muscles mm-hmm. so that you can, you're can you stabilized and everything through that. That affects your timeline substantially. Yeah, I mean, or you can try to find, maybe you have to drive a little bit to get to some yep. trails, right? Like, But it's still very important to do those types of things to prepare your body best for the race that you want to run. All right, so that brings us back to the question here, which is how long is this actually going to take me? Right which um, I think we may have covered here that there's a little bit of a nuance to the answer. The answer could be this weekend. Like maybe you've been running for quite a while. You have a weekend long run and there is a race this weekend and it's local and it fits you. And you could totally go out there, especially if you're trying to complete the marathon. You could go out there and knock out a half marathon this weekend, depending on where you're at. Right. And I think that if you haven't been training for it and you're just going out to complete it, that's going to be the safest goal for you. Right. Like, and then you can be like, okay, my goal is just to go out, have fun, run this, you know, get back in a race environment. That's what a lot of people are doing now too. And then we'll just see where I am, you know, use that race as a checkpoint of where you currently are right now. And then you can move forward. Right. Because a lot of people haven't raced for over a year and you know, the beginning of your body and your mind and everything, thing in the very beginning of 2020 is much different than it is in June of 2021, right? We've gone through a lot over the last year and a half, half collectively, like the amount of stress and changes that we have gone through globally as a collective, you know, being is insane, right? And so your body now is so different than it was a year and a half ago. Go into a race as a checkpoint, you know, don't go in with these crazy audacious goals the first race that you run just see it as a checkpoint and then you can build from there but maybe you like the crazy audacious goals just have the appropriate timeline which is why i suggested you could go this is literally what we've got written in the outline perhaps this weekend or up to maybe like nine months from now maybe even more depending on where you're starting from and what that goal is like if you are the super highly competitive i need a number on the clock that's what i'm aiming for nine month window is a solid window for that because you can actually build in a substantial base period then flip over to some actual race specific like you want all of the phases and you want to spend some time in all the phases and build the strength and have the recovery nine months is a solid window right and the same thing if you're starting from scratch right nine months is probably a good thing to do the same things build your base then get into race training then sharpen like you want to set yourself up for success and some people think oh my god nine months that seems like such a long time it's going to go faster than you think especially when you have a goal in mind especially when you have a plan that you're following you know the purpose 
this. You're not just training haphazardly and trying to get to the date of the race. Like you're like, okay, this phase, this is what I'm doing this month. This is what I'm doing this month. And you can see how amazing your body is and all the adaptations that you're going to be able to make. We want you guys to finish these races with your head held high, your hands up in the air, and your body feeling amazing. You don't want to just be limping across the finish line. We want to take that away and have you just feeling so good as you cross the finish line. That's the goal. Right. It takes a little patience. But for those of you who really enjoy the racing all the time, that nine-month window doesn't mean you can't race along the way. Very You true. just have to have different goals on those ones. Right. Of if your ultimate goal is maybe sub two, you could have a three-month race. Mm-hmm. Your goal is just going to be 210, 215. It's yeah. a different goal. It's a checkpoint. It's a step along the way towards your bigger goal. It doesn't mean you can't race for nine months. It just means that that's the big goal out there. Yeah, I love that. That's an excellent point. So make sure you're setting yourself an appropriate timeline for your goals. All of your goals are achievable if you have the right training system, the right training plan, and the right timeline. And of course, support along the way like teammates and coaches obviously help you to get to that point um, even more effectively, even with a ton more fun and all of that stuff. So make sure that you join our live free class, How to Run Your First or Best Half Marathon, next Wednesday, June 30th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you want help and guidance you know, beyond that, if you want a training system, if you want a plan, that's what we do inside the Real Life Runners training team. So you can go check out the details for that over at realliferunners.com. And over there on the website, realliferunners.com is also where you can sign up for that free class. So make sure you go over there and check it out right after you listen to this episode. As always, guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We appreciate you. We appreciate all of the reviews on iTunes. We appreciate you sharing it to your Instagram story and to your friends and all of that so that we can help more people understand how to achieve their running goals, how to be healthy and fit for the rest of their life and not have to deal with those annoying, nagging injuries and setbacks and plateaus that so many runners suffer with and struggle with. Um, Just helping people learn a better way to train. So guys, thank you for spending this time with us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 205. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.